It feels slightly weird standing familiar. The setting up of chairs is very familiar, but um, it's super exciting and really humbling to be able to stand here in service to you this year and to this community. So I'm super excited about that. But the end of 22 brought actually quite a lot of change to our family. So we, Neil and I have shared an office for many, many years and um, he obviously has moved. He's going to work in at the conference office. I've changed offices. Ethan graduated from year 12. Congratulations, all those year 12 people. Woohoo! Dunsky. Um, that's exciting. We're super proud of you all. But lots and lots of changes for us. And I can think I can safely assume that most of you have been challenged with change too, whether it's super recently or whether you can think back to a time in the past. And you'll each have your own way how you respond to change. And Often, obviously, as we're looking into a new year, everyone's like, ooh, what's it going to be like? And, and each of us respond differently to that. But in case you're like, no, change doesn't affect me. I don't even see it. I don't even recognize it. What are you even talking about change? In case there's some picture of some changes that have happened in my world over my lifespan that I'm slightly maybe disgruntled with. Well, that I don't love these changes, and um, it will absolutely give away how old I am, which is so fine. Um, but yeah, let's have let's have a look at some of these changes. Okay, right. But this was astounding to be able to have a Walkman where your music could clip to your belt. Like if it was fancy enough, it had a belt clip on the back of it and you could take your music with you on tape. But that's not the special part about this, that I'm disgruntled that this doesn't exist anymore. Well, it kind of does on your phone, but it's lost all the romanticism of it. Like this, the joy of going to big camp, finding someone that you just like a little something something about and then when you don't see each other a few weeks you just get your tape player you record some love songs off the radio like stop and start and you make them a love mix tape and then you send it to them in the mail you guys can't do that anymore you can send them like here's my spotify playlist i think you're amazing but it's not just not as good as getting a, a you get in the mail that that was good it's a change i, I don't like it Perms, why are they out of fashion? Like I grew up with my, this is me on my baptism day with my fancy swatch watch. Whoa, I was so cool um, that my dad bought back for me from traveling and I had my hair permed. My goodness, my hair is so incredibly fine that the days where perms were like fashionable were like the volume. Like how good is that? I wish perms were, were like funky again but they just don't seem to be. Whoa. When the West Indies walked out onto the field wearing pastel pink, for me, I'm like, do I go for Australia anymore or do I go for West Indies? Mm, it's swinging me over. They, they don't look like that. Look how stylish, the V, the... Yeah, I, 
I just think that's a shame. Cricketers don't look like this anymore. Like the pink is amazing. I love pink. It's my absolute favorite color. This is a change I don't like. This one's got some sound. like this. Alright? This looked like this and it was all cool. Well, have a look what he looks like now. Yeah. I feel like he definitely got an upgrade in the upgrade. So now, like, they're different. I hate that everything's really cartoon kind of based now. Like, a change I don't necessarily love. This one. Alan's lollies, red frogs, classic lolly, amazing. Now, they're made with no artificial colours. I, I understand that that's good for a whole lot of people, but the taste changed. It just doesn't feel quite as red anymore. But that's just, you know, it's just a change. One thing, this is one thing that hasn't changed, stayed stable my whole entire life. They're just as hard to open now as they were back then. So that's one solid thing. So if you need something rock solid to base, you, you can go with the chopper chop. This one's personal to me and it really hurts. Come and discover a light and tasty dinner special tonight at Sizzler. We've combined our famous all-you-can-eat soup, salad, pasta and dessert bars with a special light and tasty serve of steak or chicken or golden shrimp. And it's all for just $12.95 for a limited time at Sizzler. I feel like we possibly just need to give that a moment. <laughs> Out of respect. But whether your personality or temperament means that you love change or you actually thrive on change. Some of you in here might be someone that goes, actually, I kind of get bored with things really quickly, so I like to move on to new adventures. I like to go to the next things. And you thrive on change. But there's some people in here as well where change is daunting, it can be stressful, and it can be overwhelming. And there's some of us that are sitting here today that are looking down the barrel of the unknown of 2023 and going, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I want to look at, I want to assure you that it might be a new year, but we still have the very same gospel. It hasn't changed, it won't change, and we have the gift of that. Let me pray together and then we'll start. Father God, we want to thank you for the opportunity of being here, of um, being together as a family today. God, we ask that you'll open our hearts and minds to think about you, to understand and recognize what you have done for us. And we love you for it. In your name, amen. So if I was to ask you here, um, if I surveyed 100 people and said, all right, can you tell me what, define the gospel for me? Um, if I surveyed 100 people, I reckon I'd get, you know, a whole heap of different answers. If I just surveyed everybody in here, I think I would get different answers. Some of you would be able to give me complex answers. Some of you would go, no, it's really so simple. Some of you would be able to go, I can show you that in colors. Some of you would be able to go, oh, I can teach you the gospel using ABC. I know how to do it. 
But there's many different ways that people understand the gospel. And there's also some ways that people understand it that aren't quite actually right. And so today, we want to have a look at Galatians. And we're going to have a look at what the gospel is, what it is not, and why it matters to us. What it is, what it's Bible or your Bible app. I want you to open up to Galatians 1. So Galatians 1 is written by Paul, and Paul is someone who absolutely understands the meaning of change. He was Saul, he had an encounter with God, and his whole life was turned around. He was someone who persecuted Christians and then became an apostle, a teacher, a messenger of this gospel story. And he's writing a letter to a group of people, a church in Galatia. Now, just as there's some confusion over the gospel here, there was some confusion over the gospel in New Testament times. And Paul was writing to, to clear that up, to help people understand what it was, what it's not, and why it matters. So we're going to have a look at Galatians 1, 1 to 5. It says, Paul, so Paul is saying, hey, I'm writing this letter. It says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. It's like a long greeting. We're like, hi, and then we delve into it. But um, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is writing the gospel message just in his introduction, just in to the way he introduces himself to these people in Galatia. He's telling them that good news. There's some good news here. This is what Christ has done. There's some good news. Now, I want you to think back about what was your most recent good news that you have heard. Hopefully, for Ethan and Jaron, I think you're the only, if there's anyone else in year 12 here, hoping your ATAR was good news. Could have been awkward if it was bad. But yes, they're both nodding. So good news for them. They got good ATARs. You may have got a great Christmas present. You may have got a bonus at the end of last year. You may have got baby news. Who knows? Like... We'll see in nine months' time if there's anyone new in here. But you may have had all different new things, and you probably celebrated them. You probably maybe had went out for dinner or, you know, bought something special, maybe went on a holiday um, because of the achievement or the good news that you've got. But what I hope you understand today is that no matter what your last piece of good news was, it is nothing compared to the good news of the gospel story. It can't even compare. And the good news is it proclaims to you and I, to everyone here, that the God of the universe who is holy and perfect loves you. He created you and he loves you. And not only that, he loves you enough that when you messed up, even when you messed up against him, when you sinned against him, he didn't write you off. 
In fact, he did the very opposite of writing you off. It says here in verse 4, he didn't write you off because you sinned. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present age according to the will of our God and Father. The very opposite of writing you off. Through Jesus, the sacrifice of the cross, we can be forgiven of our sin and we get to spend eternity in heaven with him starting from now. It's not something that you have to wait for. You don't have to walk out of this building today and go, oh, I wonder. I wonder if I'm going to make it. I wonder if that's something that's going to be in our future. You can walk out with that certainty. Now, I want to show you a picture. Lots of you will have seen this before, but I think, and we'll we'll do it really loud, Um, I think it's a really powerful um, way of explaining the gospel, and then we'll unpack it a little bit more. It's the full story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told, God. Yes, God, the maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can be touched, Thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept, so cold. It's the reason I stay bold, how God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond, creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job and odd list of complaints. As if the system ain't working and used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature, your species, you participated in the mutiny, our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited, black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it? And how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding. Besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It'll need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer, an asthma choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection. But silly us, trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe, but all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection. Good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank, but you could give it a shot. 
but I suggest you throw away the list because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says is part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. Eternally separated. And the only way to fix it is someone die in your place. And that someone got to be perfect or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness. His death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone, I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in Him, and Him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins, paying everyone life. It explains it like this. The gospel in six words. God created us to be with him. And if you want to look at that more, you can go ahead and look at it start of your Bible in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Hello. Um, chapter 1 and 2. Oh, for a part of the gospel. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds, which means you can't do it. It doesn't matter how good you become. It doesn't how matter how long your list of good stuff you rack up. You can't pay for that debt. Jesus pays the price for our sins. He died and he rose again. And everyone who trusts in him alone can have eternal life. You see John there, and we find that in John 3.16, a verse that a lot of us um, will know, that it's just our belief in him. And then life with Jesus starts now. You can have it now. Now, before we go further... I want to ask a question, and I'm not asking this question to, for you to just sink back in your chair and go, oh my goodness, this is me. I'm asking you this question because we are a family, and we're a family that want to inspire each other. We're a family that want to go, I don't want to leave you where you are. I don't want you to miss out on an opportunity to clear things up, to make things a little better between you and God. So I'm going to ask you the question question and you can answer it for you. If there has never been a time where you have chosen to turn from your sin, our sin, something that you're struggling, to give it to God and submit that to Him, 
then you can do that now. Don't think that that's something that's out of your reach. Don't think that whatever you're sitting there and struggling with is something that he can't handle. Question yourself. Is there something that's getting in the way between me and God? Or have I never really given my heart to God? I'll give it over to you. Let me walk with you. And if you haven't done that, then this is an opportunity Take time today to go, I want to do that. I want to follow you. And if you want to share that with someone else, you can come and find me. You can come and find some other people. But make sure that you, if you want, you take that opportunity to go, hey, I want this thing in between you and me before. Many of us in here will have gone, yeah, I gave my life to Christ. Look, you saw my baptism picture. I did that with the beautiful purple robe with the sinkers in the bottom. Um, I did that like I've done that before. But sometimes us that have been Christians for a while actually can forget that this gospel message is not something that's relevant right at the start of our spiritual journey. It's something that should be relevant to us every single day. It should be something that impacts our life. And if you're already walking on your journey with God and you're creating a deeper relationship with Him, then we celebrate that with you. But we also want you to know that Christians need the gospel. You need it every single day because we have a tendency that in our daily lives, as we go through, we have our filter of what we think how things should happen. We have our way of understanding how God should work. And so we kind of sometimes pull a little bit away from him. Yeah, we're Christian, but is Christ and what he did for me, is it impacting my daily life? Is it impacting my decisions? Because as Christians, as people that are following God, it should impact what we do. It's a whole new way of living life. It's a whole new way of dealing with the relationships around you. It's a whole new way of spending your time, spending your money, dealing with relationships. The gospel needs to be something that we carry with us and preach to ourselves on a daily basis. And some of us have fallen into a space where we've gone, actually, instead of counting my relationship with God, I just kind of count the things that I do. And it's so easy to fall into that space of, oh, I'm good. I do good things. I pay my tax. I do, you know, I'm a good person. So, yeah, I must have that gospel in my life because I'm just good. But there's a danger in feeling like that and going along that path as well. And Paul talks about that in his next part of his letter. So we're reading on in verse 6. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we 
or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curses. He's talking about false gospels that we fall into sometimes. And they look all different, but let's have a look at three of them that I think you might be able to recognize sometimes creep in to our lives. There's the false gospel of good works, the good works gospel. Work hard, do good, be religious. It kind of pictures God as this merciless taskmaster that goes, come on, come on, you've done that. Now I want you to take it to the next level. Do this, do that. You did that at church last year. I need you to step it up this year. Do that this year, do that. How many people have you had over for lunch this week? Come on, I looked for 16. You only had 14. Like we work hard with the hope that maybe one day, I might be good enough to get into eternity and heaven. And Paul is saying to the uh, people in Galatia, that's not right. That is not what we preach. That is not what you heard. And the same thing applies to us. That's not right. That's not the gospel message. Then there's the gospel of happiness. It's all about me. God loves me, so he must want great things for me. It's my needs, my wants, my desires. He wants my happiness. He wants my success. And so God is kind of pictured as like a genie in a bottle. You, instead of rubbing your genie, you pray to your genie and hope that great success will come bounding to you. It's not it. And in that gospel, there's no place for hardship which makes the cross just kind of weird. Why did he die on a cross if there was nothing really bad that was going to happen to us? And then there's the ticket to heaven gospel. And this reduces this amazing gospel story to a one-time decision that you might have prayed as a little kid or as a teenager or even in your later years. And once you've got that ticket to heaven, you don't really need God anymore. He doesn't have to be a part of your life. You don't have to have a conversation with him. Um, It doesn't factor into your decisions. So basically, you get to make buy that ticket, do that ticket, have that conversation, and then you get to basically live the rest of your life like God doesn't exist anymore. It's a false gospel. And it's something that is saying to us in his message that there is no other gospel, that Jesus is enough. He is enough. He's enough to cover your past sins. He's enough to cover your future in eternity within this very moment today. On your very worst day, Jesus could not love you less. And on your very best day, he can't love you anymore. He just loves you, not based on what you have done or what you will do for him. Back that way. Verse 6 and 7. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and you're turning 
to a different gospel, which really is no gospel at all. It's not right. Put away those ideas. And those ideas clearly crept in to God's people then and they have the ability to creep into God's people now, into your life and my life. And it waters down or distorts that gospel message that we have, changes how we live, changes how we feel, changes how we relate to our God. You will never graduate from the gospel. And you can never go deeper than the gospel. And it's something that you need to preach to yourself every day. On the days where you feel that you're not good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not amazing enough, Jesus is enough. Enough to cover your past, navigate your present, and secure your future. But what does it look like when we live with that gospel played out in our lives every single day? Paul talks about that in the next chapter of this letter. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you preach the gospel to yourself every day, when you allow God to live his life through you, that's what living out this gospel story is. And what does it look like? What if we did it? What if we really began to live like this? What would happen if we allowed the gospel to permeate every single day? Well, let's have a look. What would it look like when you messed up? When you made a mistake? When you made a mistake with your wifey or your husband or your teachers or your friends, your girlfriend or your boyfriend, when you were the one that made a mistake, what would it look like if we filtered our lives, our actions and our behaviour through the gospel? When you stuffed up, what it looks like often is that we either slink away, we're kind of shame or guilt or we just stew over it or we don't want to bring it up or we hide it away. But if we believe what the gospel says is true, then those days, those moments that we feel like that, that's exactly what that cross was for. That moment where you recognize that you have made a mistake, that you've done something wrong, that's when you should go, huh, that gospel story, when he gave his life, it's for this moment. And remind yourself of the awesomeness of that. And we get to, in that moment, go, I recognize what I have done. I want your forgiveness. I thank you for the grace that you give me. And let's move beyond this moment. I don't have to stay here anymore. I don't have to live in shame. I don't have to live with guilt because I have a gospel message that I can filter through and anything that I've done wrong, I can go to the man who died for me and say, please forgive me. Thank you for your forgiveness. 
thanks for your grace and mercy and let's move on. What does it look like if someone's wronged you? You're on the receiving end and you allow this gospel story to live out in your life every day. Well, often I can tell you my go-to if um, someone's wronged me. Number, it kind of goes a process. The first one is I just cry because um, that's just what happens. But I'll, I'm humble enough to say that I may have at times mastered the ice queen money. Um, and so, but what does that look like if instead of going, I'm going to freeze someone out, I'm going to talk about them behind my backs, actually, I'm going to build my own little army around me of people, I'm going to bond over negativity towards that person. What does it look like instead if we allow the gospel and what Christ has done for us filter through us in that moment? It looks like us going, oh, yeah. God actually died to forgive me, not because I deserved it. But he died for me because he loved me. And how do I mirror that? I mirror that by offering you because you deserve it, because you've asked for it, but forgiving someone who has wronged you because you believe that the gospel was for them as well as you and that you accept that Christ died for you to forgive you. And so you have the ability to draw on that power to forgive others. That's the difference of what it looks like. What about, what difference does it make? How does it change your motivation when you daily live out the gospel? How does it change your motivation to attending church? How does it change your motivation for giving, for serving others? When you preach a gospel to yourself every day, when you remind yourself, how does that impact on your attitude of the way you show up to God's community, the way you serve his world, the way you give generously to others? And how does in that moment, don't get pulled into a false gospel. We're not giving, we're not serving, we're not loving because we think it's going to get us somewhere. We do it out of that loving response for everything that Christ has done for us. This is what it means to preach the gospel to yourself every day, to allow it to become such a part of your everyday life. Here's my challenge. And then I've got something I want to show you. This is my challenge for you starting 2023. Study the Gospels. Read them. The first four books of the New Testament. Download an app if you want to download an app. Go to um, your Bible and there's heaps. Just punch in, find a plan. There's heaps of them there. You can get some friends to join with you, comment on each other. We've been doing some as a um, young adult, so there's been a few of us doing that together over the holidays. Do it with a friend if that's going to help you accountable. Set aside a time to understand and read this gospels for yourself, the life, the stories, the sacrifice of Jesus. And not just read it and go, I've had my cup of tea, I've read for five minutes, I've shut the book, and now the importance of my day is starting. Not like that. Savor it. Understand it. 
write some questions, make some notes, chew it over. Like, you know, when like you, you give kids like hot chips and they're really, really hungry and it's like you've just gotten out of the drive-thru and you're like one block down, it's like, it's all gone already, the chips are gone. Don't do that to the, savor it and then share it. The gospel was never, ever, ever meant just for you and just for me. That is not what it is. It's not for everyone that steps into a church every day. Share it. It's for the people that you sit across from at work. It's for your friends in your classroom. It's for your grandparents. It's for your mum. It's for your dad. It's for your brother. And you have a part to play in sharing that gospel with those people. It's a little bit like this. If I was to go, let's just pretend this is the gospel, like it's pretty close. Let's pretend this is the gospel. All right, so I'm going to read it. It's Black Forest, my favorite. So I know it's going to be good. I don't need to read the back ingredients to know that this is just a whole heap of goodness in here. So the whole idea, read it, or I know I'm in the right place. Good. And then instead of just like that kind of a thing, I want you to just like... Like savour it. Nikki would like this because it's been out of the fridge. I like chocolate in the fridge. But, mmm, you can feel the biscuit in that little tiny biscuit. Mmm, like real crunchy. The chocolate is super smooth. There's a little lolly bit. That's my favourite bit. Oh, yeah, I just got one. Mmm. So good. So yum. And then, oh my gosh, it was amazing. So good. Like crazy town good. Would you like a piece of chocolate? All right. So, so good. You should sit in the front row. It's very lucrative. Always lucrative. All right. Here you go. I'm going to send it over here. Notice I avoided my mum there. And Diane, I know how they go with chocolate. There you go. Share that round, pass it round. <laughs> but even more than that, I found something during the week that I thought, my goodness, the people that made fantails, they must believe in the gospel because this is perfect to illustrate to you. And I've got, you can grab some on your way out today. Perfect to illustrate you what I mean. What happens when you have a fantail? You open it up. I'm not going to put it in my mouth because I will not be able to speak for a while if I put that in my mouth. That's why I had the other chocolate. So that's why I was prepared. Okay, you put it in your mouth. You can't swallow it straight away because it's real hard. What do you do? You read the wrapper while you suck the lolly. You read the wrapper. And if you're with a whole heap of other people, what do you do then? The next step is you go, what did you get? Who did you get on your wrapper? This is what I got on my wrapper. And that's what I'm asking you to do with the gospel this year. To read it, 
to savour the flavour of it and then to share it with the people around you.